thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. So let's look at the scripture this morning, Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. When you're there in your Bibles, if you would, stand with me, and we will read the word of the Lord and ask the Lord to guide us by his Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. Now, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and the devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the public reading of Scripture. We thank you, Lord, for many uh, faithful churches that are today preaching the gospel and sharing the message of hope. We're moved upon by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we say, Lord Jesus, and pray, Lord Jesus, that you would move here as well by the power of your Spirit. Move among your people here, Lord. Uh, encourage us through the word of the Lord, and I pray, God, that uh, for my own part and the role that you have called me to, Lord, that I would do nothing to hinder your word going forth, but that the thoughts and attention would be focused upon what the Spirit would say through the word of the Lord. And we thank you for it this morning. We thank you for your grace being here with us. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. So what I'd like to do today is kind of give a, a whole uh, synopsis of Acts chapter 10. I'd encourage you to read it in anticipation of a few of the messages that we'll be uh, preaching coming up. So I'm going to give kind of a brief explanation of what's going on, and then we'll focus our attention down on uh, verses 1 through 8 as we get into the meat of the message this morning. But uh, we met Cornelius in our reading. Cornelius was uh, a Roman soldier. He was over uh, a cohort of individuals. Most would say that was about 100 people that were under uh, his uh, charge, that he was responsible for kind of moving and keeping in line. Uh, he was devout. He was praying. He was uh, serving. The scripture tells us he had a vision from the Lord. And in that vision, God told him to send uh, some of his team to uh, Joppa, another city, in order to go and get Peter. And Peter also 
also uh, has a vision. He has a vision that Cornelius has sent him uh, some people to retrieve him and that God is speaking to Peter about what is going to happen in the church, what's going to transpire here in the next uh, few days about how the gospel is going to move out from primarily being preached to Jewish people, that it now will be really uh, kind of thrown out into uh, the Gentile world. And so Peter goes to Cornelius's house. He kind of sees what is happening there. He realizes that the gospel indeed is going uh, to go to the Gentiles. He preaches to Cornelius. He preaches to Cornelius's household. And the Holy Spirit falls on them exactly the way in which the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The people who were there in Cornelius's house, although they were Gentiles, they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. They were then baptized uh, in water for the forgiveness of sins. And Peter sort of stayed there a few days in order to share with them or expand uh, to them uh, the gospel a little more fully. And so Cornelius is what we've often referred to, what you've heard uh, uh, Pastor Chris refer to as we work through evangelism and go into neighborhoods. He's kind of that person of peace, the man of peace that sort of opens the door to other people to receive the gospel. When we're praying about the Lakota tribe, one of the things that you can pray about is that as the team goes out, they would find the person of peace, find the person who is receptive to the gospel in order that the gospel can then go out through that person into a greater and broader field. So Cornelius is that person in our story, someone who's praying, who's seeking, but he is not a convert to Judaism at this point uh, or to Christianity either one. He's not a convert. He's simply a devout person, a good man doing good deeds, seeking after the Lord, but not really knowing God in his fullness. When we look at the life of Cornelius, what we see in Cornelius as we read through verses 1 through 8 is we see someone who was in a posture to receive from the Lord. He had placed himself in a way in which he was able to receive from the Lord. Now, when you look at him, he was an unlikely person to be the recipient of God's grace. He was in Caesarea, which was a a very pagan city. He was a centurion, which under Roman rule, most centurions would have been pagan. There would have been a sense of emperor worship there. So there wouldn't have really been a sense of someone being a devout after a monotheistic God, that they would have worshiped many gods, particularly many gods to uh, help them in their battles and in uh, the military conquest. He was Italian, which was kind of in the opposite direction of Jerusalem. Uh, He was not willing to kind of go all the way with Judaism. To be a full convert into Judaism, you had to abide by the ritualistic laws. And uh, as a soldier in the Roman army, Cornelius would not have been willing to do that. He would not have been willing to follow uh, the laws of circumcision and otherwise. And there's no hint that he did, which is why he was sort of a devout person, praying, giving alms, sort of well-known for doing good things, but not a full convert at that point into Judaism. But what Cornelius did do was he responded to the grace that he was given In the midst of a polytheistic world, 
He believed in one God. The Bible says that he was a devout man. He was focused on living morally and upright. The word says that he feared God with his whole household, which means that he took care or time to instruct others. He wasn't just concerned about his own self, his own relationship with God, but he took care in order to instruct others in the light that he had been given. The word says that he gave alms to the Jewish people. He was a generous person. He was willing to give of what he had in order to bless others. And the word says that he also prayed to God continually. It was one who was consistently in prayer. And Cornelius had positioned himself in a place to receive from the Lord, being faithful in prayer, faithful in giving, faithful in sharing with others. He had put himself in a place to receive before anything had ever been promised to him. Well before his prayers were answered, Cornelius was faithfully trying to live out what he knew to be true. Faithfully praying, faithfully seeking, faithfully giving. So what he knew to do, the right things that he knew to do, he was walking those out faithfully. And the whole of Christian life is really placing oneself in a posture to receive from the Lord. You and I have a responsibility to be faithful where we are. We have a responsibility to be faithful with the things that we are given. Cornelius was never given a promise of a heavenly visitation or even a visit from an apostle. He was never given any promise of that. But before all of that even transpired in his life, he was faithful with small things, praying, seeking God, giving. Those things that should be the rudimentary elements of who we are in Christ, he was faithful in those things. And you and I must also be faithful. And it's interesting that Twice in chapter 10, what we find is that what God remembered, what caused him to be remembered by the Lord was his prayer and his giving. I really appreciate what Brother Jay shared about giving this morning. I don't recall preaching a whole message on giving, but we ought to talk about it more often than what we do, an important aspect of who we are as believers. We also have to be a people of prayer. Prayer is communication with the Lord. It's a conversation. It's not just talking, not just continually kind of repeating stuff or our, our mouth sort of flapping along. It's also listening to the Lord. Sometimes when my <clears throat> children, when they begin to, to talk and talk and talk and talk, I was sharing with someone this week, what I, what I share with them is, you know, you're, you're creating that effect where someone says if a, if a butterfly flaps its wings somewhere on the earth, it creates some storm in a, another area that stirs it up. And I tell my children, that your mouth is continually flapping. You're killing people, little children in other parts of the world. They're dying because you're talking so much. Stop talking. They're not traumatized. <laughs> but it's that same way with prayer. Prayer is not consistently us talking. We ought to make our needs and petitions known to the Lord. But prayer is also listening. 
listening to what God is saying, receiving from the Lord. It's an essential aspect of who we are in living for the Lord. Cornelius was remembered because of his prayer and because of his giving. The angel says that directly to him upon first meeting. Your prayers and almsgiving have ascended as a memorial before God. God is remembering you because of your prayer and your giving. Cornelius, he had prepared the inward man to receive the divine encounter. If, if we are desirous to place ourselves in a posture to receive from the Lord, we have to begin with the things that we know to do. We have to be faithful right where we are. We can't be a people who are prayerless. We can't be a people who are selfish. That's not the way our Lord lived on the earth. He gave everything, and we even see in the Lord who was God that he found himself consistently in prayer as well. He is our model. He's who we have to be portraying ourselves after. Because as we pray and as we act on the wisdom that we have been given, the Lord gives us eyes to see. At about the ninth hour, which would have been an hour of prayer, Cornelius, who was devout and prayerful, doing the thing that he knew to do, was praying at the ninth hour. He clearly saw in a vision. It's interesting to me that the scripture says he clearly saw. He knew what was happening. He knew what was beginning to transpire. An angel of the Lord met him and Cornelius sees the angel of the Lord and the angel connects Cornelius's devotion in prayer and almsgiving to God's action, this heavenly vision and the action to send servants. So what Cornelius has been doing, your, your prayers and your almsgiving have ascended as a memorial, which is why the angel is there in order to tell you to dispatch servants to go down to Joppa. So it was the preparation period that allowed Cornelius to experience this heavenly vision that he had to act upon in order to dispatch servants. He had eyes to see what God was doing, and this was not cultivated overnight. He had been a long time in prayer and almsgiving and sharing that with others. We read in later on, I believe it's down in uh, verse 20, in the uh, 22 or uh, a little later in that passage where it says that he was known as a person who was doing good to the Jews, known as a person of prayer. That doesn't happen overnight. You don't pray tonight and then everyone know, oh, this is a person of prayer. Something that's cultivated over a long period of time. He cultivated a lifestyle of prayer, of seeking God. And as he cultivated that lifestyle, he was given eyes to see what God was doing in the spirit realm. I firmly believe in God's instantaneous intervention in our lives, yet you and I are often called to labor a long time before the Lord answers. You see, even in Scripture, when we read through the Gospels, Jesus often healed people, and they needed healing for a long time. The woman with the issue of blood in the crowd in Luke 8 and 42, she was 12 years waiting, seeking. The invalid at Bethesda in John 5, he was 
38 years in waiting. The blind man in John 9 was blind from birth and waited about 40 years. Not to mention Bartimaeus, the man with leprosy, the man with a uh, withered hand, the man who was unable to speak. All these waited long periods of time until their personal visitation by the Lord. Sometimes we have to tarry and wait, pray, seek, continually knock after the Lord. Sometimes it's not an instantaneous change in our life. But there are instantaneous breakthroughs. Oftentimes, after long laboring, praying, seeking, desiring, asking, knocking for God to do things, and then all of a sudden, the Lord answers. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. First, call to me. We have to be people who are consistently calling to the Lord. And as we cry out to the Lord, then God will answer and open our eyes to see. When Cornelius received the heavenly visitation, again, it says that he clearly saw. But oftentimes we'll pray and pray and pray, and we don't even believe that God's going to answer. We're praying and we're seeking him for things, but we don't really expect that God will do something great. We get caught up in the muck and the mire of the everyday activity and fail to see that God's playing the long game. Sometimes the Lord is trying to open our eyes to things and we prevent ourselves from believing it, or sometimes maybe we simply don't want to believe it. On Friday, we drove Seth and Sophia and I, my oldest two, we drove down to uh, Liberty to take a look at the campus. And as part of that uh, experience, they did kind of a history of uh, the university. And one of the things they showed was a group of people gathering on the ground and praying for what God would do. Hours on end, prayer meetings on a piece of weeded ground, praying about what God was going to do on that piece of property. There were times I said when it started, do you believe their tuition, it said was $200 in that first year. $200 per student that first year. (laughs) And there were times when they couldn't even make payroll, but prayed prayed, prayed for what God would do. God had given a vision and they labored and prayed and prayed and prayed, believing God for things that our eyes haven't yet seen and doors that would be opened that have not yet been opened. You see, our prayer helps us to get a glimpse of what the Lord is doing. It helps us to clearly see what God is doing and we must be faithful to act upon that. So when In prayer, when God speaks something to us, or maybe God calls you to something in your life that God is saying, I want you to step out into this. What God is asking you to do is to be a person of action, to believe even when the circumstances around say, no, no, no. That's not being foolish. That's acting in the supernatural. That's acting in the light that you have been given. If God has truly revealed to you in prayer what he is doing, if he's clearly spoken to you, that he's calling you to step out into faith, to believe him for even the impossible. 
Cornelius had eyes to see, but he also had a heart to obey. When the angel had spoken to him, he acted exactly how he was commanded. Notice the progression of things. First, he was praying, he was giving, he was sharing with others, doing what he was convinced of. Then God visits him. He clearly sees the heavenly visitation, and then God gives him instructions. What are the instructions? Send some men to Joppa. God doesn't give him the whole picture. The heavenly visitation doesn't say, Cornelius, you're going to send some men to Joppa. They're going to bring Peter back. And this is going to be a revolution in the church. What's going to happen is you're going to experience the fire of the Holy Spirit in a few days. You're going to speak with other tongues. And through you and your household, the gospel is going to be flung out into the known world to all the Gentiles. What you thought was true is no longer true, Cornelius. Now you can come to Christ without works. All this is going to happen through you, Cornelius. No, he didn't tell him that. He didn't tell him that. Often we want that, don't we? We want the full picture of what God is doing. We want to know the end piece of what God is doing. And we'll say, well, God, I'll step here if I just knew where I was going over there. God, I'll make this step in my life if I just know where this is heading. But sometimes God expects you to step out and not realize that there's something there that's going to hold you. Sometimes there is an expectation in our life that we follow the Lord and we simply believe the impossible. So he sends some men to Joppa. God doesn't always give us the whole picture. And what does Cornelius do? He doesn't say, I'm going to get in trouble if I send these guys. If I get found out about this situation, I'm going to be one who is now persecuted. If someone finds out about what I'm doing, no, he does exactly what he is told to do. I'm convinced that sometimes in the church world and in our Christian walk, it's not a matter of coming to the altar and pleading, pleading, pleading for God to reveal to us the next step. It's simply a willingness to take action on the next step. We wait and wait and wait and we want to pray and pray and pray and pray, but sometimes it's a necessity for us to step out in what God has already told us to do. If you're not faithful in the first thing, why would God reveal to you the whole thing? Cornelius sends some men to Joppa. And then what does he do? He waits again. Four more days pass until Peter comes. I wondered as I was studying the passage, what was going through Cornelius' mind? What was he thinking about? You know, there weren't cell phones. There wasn't even a regular landline telephone in these days. When he dispatched the three guys to go and to retrieve Peter, he didn't really know what was going to happen. Sitting and waiting. Could we even handle that in our age? When news is happening, we're kind of continually refreshing to see what's happening next, what's happening next, what's happening next. Four days pass. When Peter comes, Cornelius says, we're all here to listen to what God has commanded you to tell us. 
So I'd ask you the question, what is your next step in serving the Lord? What's that thing that God is putting in your heart, that next thing that he's asking you to do? What is that next step that God is speaking to you about? The angel did not give Cornelius the full picture. He was only given the next step. What is your next step? This man in scripture, he had a heart to obey the Lord and was willing to step out to do what God had told him to do. And so my my question to you this morning is, are you willing to take the next step? Are we willing to take the next step? As a congregation of believers together, are we willing to take the next step and believe God for what he is calling us to do? I've been giving that a lot of thought lately. I've been giving a lot of thought to the long game. Personally, I'm a planner, so I like to think. I don't like just little pieces here, God. I want the whole piece so we can kind of plan it, orchestrate it, put it together, sort of organize it along. And I've shared this with people along Riverstone journey. What what has happened often is we just get the next little piece and the next little piece and the next little piece. But I've thought about, God, what is the big piece? What is this long range? What are the next steps? And some of the things that we're trying to put an effort and energy to that God is beginning to put together and God is beginning to build is a local congregation that is centered around the authority of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we want to be. That's the type of church that we want to be that preaches the word of God in its fullness and has an expectancy of a move of the Holy Spirit. People who are seeking and longing after that. We want to be a church by by God's grace that stands firm upon the conviction that there are ministers and preachers and evangelists and teachers that are being raised up right here. And as a local congregation of believers, we have a responsibility to teach them, train them, empower them, and push them out. That's why We are planning and prepping for the Discipleship Institute. What does that mean? Where will it go? I've just got a little piece right now, but there's a brother who's working diligently on that, thinking about it, planning for it, putting a team together. We've talked about from the early days, a place even in this congregation where there is people gathered together night and day. The song says night and day, day and night, night and day, praying, seeking the Lord seeking the Lord. Could you imagine if you were to come by the church at 1 a.m. and there was a group of people gathering and interceding, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. If there was worship arising from the sanctuary with people here praying, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Can you imagine the vision of what that would look like? Can you see it? People who are faithful in the word of God. The world is pulling people left and right towards its own ends, towards destruction. Imagine a place where young men and young women at 14, 15, 16, 17 years old are able to rightly handle the word of truth. Imagine the day, pray for the day, when a 14, 15, or 16-year-old stands behind the pulpit and gives an excellent word of the Lord to where we stand firm and we shout and praise God for what he has done in someone's life. That starts right here. What's the next step? That starts today. What is the next step for you 
and for me. We must be a church that while we long and dream for some things that are down the road, we're willing to take the next right step on our journey to get there. And so that's what I would ask you to pray for today as we finish out this word. The first thing I think we must do is get to the place to where we're even willing to receive what God is speaking to us. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells, lives there, stays there, longs to be there, dwells in the secret place of the Most High. What you're, when, you're, when you're dwelling before the Lord, a lot of people won't understand or know what you're doing. They won't comprehend it. Dwelling in a secret place, you'll abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. He shall be your shield and your buckler. When Nicole and I were going through a, a difficult season, at some point, I need to write this out because it's just the weirdest testimony of how God worked. Uh, someone who had spoken in our lives many, many years ago uh, had a chance encounter with someone else, and I can't explain it all in a short amount of time. But what I can say is that person spoke to us, and he said, what you need to do is take the shield and the buckler. The shield is kind of one that sort of covers you, and it sort of, sort of shields you. And it says, it's going to be some arrows coming. And just let them flow over. This was years before we encountered this season of our life. Just let them flow over. Because you're shielded. God is shielding you. God is protecting you. And God has been faithful to do that. But you can't get in the place of trusting the Lord for those things if you're not dwelling in the secret place. See, that was Cornelius' first step to dwell in the secret place of the Lord. As he dwelled in the secret place of the Lord, God revealed himself in a more full way. And as God revealed himself in a fuller way, Cornelius made the next step of action. That's what God's calling us to do today. Will you stand with me as we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments in time where we're called back to our original focus, called back to our original calling, which is earnestly with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength to seek you, to long after you. As we long after you, as we pray, as we seek you, Lord, you are faithful to show us great and mighty things. We know that your word says, Lord, that you're actively searching for people who are sold out to you. You're actively searching for people who are laboring in prayer, who are not looking for a quick fix, 
who are not looking for something necessary to happen instantaneously, but to know I'm setting my hand to this venture. I'm setting my hand to seek you, Lord. I'm setting my mind to seek you, Lord. And I may labor 12 years. I may labor eight years. I may labor 40 years before you, God, but I'm not going to stop laboring before you. I'm not going to stop crying out to you. I'm not going to stop longing after you, Lord, because I know that at some point, God, you are going to visit. You are going to lead. You are going to call me to that next step, God. But until you do, oh God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek your face. I will not turn to the right hand or to the left, but I will listen to the voice behind me that says, here is the way, walk in it. So God, we ask you in this moment, in this season of life, oh Lord, to convict us to earnestly seek you. Give us eyes to clearly see what you are doing in the spirit realm. And give us a will to act in obedience to what you have called us to do. Maybe today you need to pray that God will help you to believe what he's already spoken to you. That you will have the will to act. not another visitation from the Lord that you need. You simply need to be obedient at this point. God has already put in your heart the next step. Now it's a matter of obedience. Will you be obedient? If you've not been obedient, you need to repent of that. You need to repent of stubbornness. And as you repent of that, you need to step forward into what God has spoken and realize that he's a loving father. He will not let your foot slip. If you're asking him to help you, you're asking him to give you bread, he will not give you a stone. If you ask him for fish, he will not give you a serpent. He is a loving father. And if you believe that you have heard from him in prayer, it's time to take the next step. It's time to be obedient to him.
God, I pray that you will help us to be an obedient people. God, help us like this man, Cornelius, who knows if he had even up until this point heard the name Jesus. If he had any idea kind of what was going on. But in this season of his life, he was being faithful, praying, earnestly seeking you, helping others, telling others about how they needed to please this one God, to walk in favor of this one God. His whole household, others around him, accepted the word which he lived out before them. Even though he didn't fully know everything, he didn't have a full comprehension of everything, but as he was faithful in some things, God, you revealed to him more, Lord Jesus. Your spirit moved upon him, oh God. And through your work, through this man's life, inaugurated a beautiful opportunity for the world to hear the message of hope. As they sing this morning, if you would just take a few moments to pray to the Lord, just commit yourself to him once again. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of his promises and plans for your life.